When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Apsuck, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. And let's go back to taking a look at our favorite moments and scenes. And I'm looking at season two, episode one, The North Remembers, and the introduction of that red witch, that red woman, Melisandre. She's one of my favorite characters, Kreese Van Houten's alluring. I just like witchy women, all right? That's a thing. Gonna put that out there. I was immediately drawn into Melisandre, but I didn't quite understand what I was watching. Remember, I, I, I had started reading the books at this point, but I had finished the first book and decided I'm not gonna start the second book until after the second season. At the end of the second season, that all went away, and I finished all the books, and I bought every map I could find and hang on a wall um, and went full bore, full into the Song of Ice and Fire series. But at this point, episode one, The North Remembers, I had a lot going, a lot of knowledge from the first book in my head and kind of knew there was some kind of red woman character, but here she is. And here's Stannis Baratheon, this name we've been hearing all through season one. Now we know in some people's mind, he's the rightful king. And I like Robert Baratheon. I liked Renly Baratheon. So I was like, I think I'm going to like Stannis Baratheon. He's going to be pretty cool. And it turns out I personally did enjoy Stannis Baratheon. Big Stannis and Manus fan, but... Same time when you meet him, you're like, that's that's the brother of those cool dudes? Like this dude? And he's sitting there burning everything? And who's this woman burning it? So you're sitting there kind of trying to take it all in, trying to figure it all out. You're immediately drawn to Davos, and you see Maester Crescent. And it's like, oh, Maester Crescent. I love Maester Lewin up in Winterfell. I can immediately trust this Maester. And, of course, I was like, oh, that's Oliver Ford Davies. C.O. Bibble from the Star Wars prequels. I'm on board. But it is the moment, the specific moment I'm talking about is when he challenges Melisandre and drinks the poison. There is something really intriguing, definitely alluring, and awesomely powerful to watch Melisandre just calmly drink the poison as he's dying, as blood is pouring from his nose. As the light is leaving his eyes, and she's just staring him down. It's like the record scratches, and you're and you're thinking, who is this woman? What is her power? And this season and this story just got different. Magic was was prevalent in season one. I think it was more focused on the whites, the White Walkers, and of course, at the end of the season, the birth of the dragons. That definitely changes the tone of the show. But now we have a red comet in the sky that everyone believes is something else. And now we have this red woman. And we're familiar with the Faith of the Seven. We're familiar with the the old gods. Uh, But what is this new religion? The Lord of Light. It's a new challenger for the throne, in a way. And it's represented by Melisandre, who's staring down her victim as he quietly dies powerful moment that red woman 
She may be controversial. She may not have all the power she thinks and says she has, but there's something going on there. And this moment helped launch that. What's your moments? Let us know here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, so piggybacking a little bit off your scene with Melisandre, so going into season two, I was very concerned of who was going to play Stannis, because I have had a fascination with the character ever since I read Clash of Kings going all, all the way back to the prologue, so when I heard Stephen Delane was cast, I thought, hmm, that's a good choice, because I'd seen him in John Adams, the miniseries where he played Thomas Jefferson, and I thought he could do it, so it had to be someone that could get this t- the tone right, so when that first scene on the beach happened, that was fine, but then it was the second scene, though, when Stannis is giving his proclamation, and um, Davos' son, Mathos, is writing everything down. He says, Jamie Lannister to Kingslayer, call him what he is, but it was a few seconds later when he says, make it Sir Jamie Lannister to Kingslayer, whatever else he is, the man's still a knight. That was the moment I said, that is Stannis, and I always loved that moment. Great point, Eric. That's a great moment, great scene. For Stannis Baratheon, the correcting Mathos Seaworth on giving Jamie Lannister the title that he does deserve. You know, Eric, you and I, we're Stannis fans, and it's a hard struggle sometimes to explain to people, well, why we love Stannis Baratheon, why he is good, when clearly on screen he has a, has a trajectory that ends up in a rather dark and depressing and bad area. Totally get that, but that is the first time, because I was only familiar with Stannis Baratheon in name only from season one. Hadn't got the the book, uh, second book yet, Clash of Kings. And I was uh, familiar with the land. Like you said, he was excellent as Thomas Jefferson in the John Adams miniseries. Stannis-like at times. Stephen Delane definitely has a style. I think he's a little crusty curmudgeon himself, too, in real life. So it makes some sense. He plays those guys so well. And I do love that moment because Stannis is basically telling off the world, but he's still believes in get treating people with respect or respecting what they've done and there's something about that that i just liked there's something about that that, that this is this is why i want to this is the man who, who held storm's end because he was told to i respect that i'm drawn to that it's hard to explain i get it but that is actually one of the first moments i went huh different character i can tell he's not a straight good guy in the classic sense because no one really is on this show but Something else is going on there. There is a code that he has. Something that he that he wakes up every morning and adheres to. I think that code kind of got him in the end. His uh, being beheld to duty and purpose and what he was supposed to do probably sent him down some dark paths. Well, not probably. We know he went down a dark path. But good call, Eric. Love that moment. More moments here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken. wanted to jump in real quick before we moved on to other seasons and favorite moments. Um, and one of my favorite moments actually has to do with Catelyn, and it's at the end of the season, or at the end of season one, where Rob is just hacking at the tree after Ned's been beheaded, and Catelyn goes out to console him. Um, and it's just a really powerful little moment um, that you just see them, that just how angry and upset they are, and then they just want revenge for their family. Um, the Starks are the, probably the most easily relatable family or house in Game of Thrones. Um, and throughout season one, you really see how much compassion is love there uh, within that family. Um, Ned and Catelyn sure had a forced marriage, but they made it work and eventually complimented one another. So losing Ned was such a big blow to that family. And then just seeing her um, console Rob and then promise revenge that they're going to get revenge on Lannisters, which is really powerful and just a really, really cool moment. 
Jeff brings up a great moment with Catelyn Stark, Season 1, Episode 10, comfort, Comforting the King in the North. Rob Stark, distraught over the loss of his father, and she was distraught as well. And you know, I have to admit, I've been been harsh on the character of Catelyn Stark over the years, and my stance has changed. I, I feel I have to make a conscious decision to soften my stance on Catelyn Stark, because I kind of felt uh, there's a lot of things you can pin on her. A lot of things that go wrong come out of her brash and rash decisions. Uh, the kidnapping, the taking prisoner of Tyrion Lannister, number one on that list. And I'll never... I'll never, I'll never back off of that. I, I believe that. I believe she is to blame for some of the stuff, but I used to toss the character aside because of that. Michelle Fairley does such a great job with this character. Uh, and I just, as the more and more I think about it, the more and more I really look at, at it and the situation and the story, she's such a great character. She's such a strong character. She's a great mother and a wife and a leader. She is a leader of her house while her father, her, her father is dying. Uh, and, and she's a leader of the Stark house. While uh, she is, uh, while her husband's down south, um, so there's so much to her character, and in these moments, this is comforting Rob as he, this now powerful boy king, is is dealing with the loss of his father like a child, as 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 he should, understandable, and she putting aside her her own pain and suffering that she's no doubt going through comforts her son first the king second it's a great moment a great reminder that she does a lot of these things a lot of her decisions even if they end up being wrong and even if they end up causing problems are born out of a passion to help and protect her family and i give cersei lannister a lot of credit for that and i do and i think that's justified i have sympathy and empathy for cersei but if i give cersei lannister credit for that i think i have to get and, ha and i think we all have to give catelyn stark even more credit. She is a more redeemable character. She didn't do horrible things. She did, did things out of love and protection. And that moment reminds me. And Jeff, you bring up that moment. That's great. That's perfect. It really reminds me of the power of Catelyn Stark and the comfort of a mother. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. So let's talk about uh, Season 3, Episode 4, how Lord Varys reveals to Tyrion how he became the spider. In that particular scene, we see Tyrion walking into the room, and there's a large wooden crate, and Varys is beginning to open it. And as he's doing that, he's simply talking to Tyrion in a very casual way about how he became the spider. And when that's all said and done, the box opens up, and the object of his lifelong revenge is sitting in that box. It describes the power of patience from an individualized, compartmentalized, deep-seated sense of vengeance. The Lannisters have the power of patience over distance. How a house can sustain itself from generation to generation to generation. Cersei now has picked up that mantle. But Varys demonstrates to us that how you can compartmentalize, compartmentalize your revenge and vengeance and your plans, yet continue on your day-to-day. -day. The power of patience in Varys. Thanks. Kevin calling in with a great little uh, ode and nod to Varys and his patience and his penchants for vengeance. I love that moment. I love that moment, the reveal, because uh, uh, this this wizard in a box, so to speak, is, is something we've heard about. It's, it's what formed, literally and figuratively, uh, Varys. And you hear so much about it, and of course we hear more later on, and maybe... 
if Kinvara or, or uh, Melisandre want to come back and explain a little bit more, maybe we'll hear even more of that moment and that scene with Varys. But I absolutely love it. Tyrion slowly realizing this. I thought the master of, the, of whispers, the spider, I thought he was dangerous enough. But he's got this guy in a box and he's waited years, decades even, to get his revenge. The look on Tyrion's face, so well played by Peter Dinklage, is all of our look. I mean, we thought the spider was good, thought he was a skilled spy, and he was kind of creepy, and he was definitely amusing. But now, he's a straight-out, mad, vengeance-filled killer. Great moment. Keep your moments coming here. If you got more moments, quotes, anything you want to talk about, even some news and rumors, call in here on the Anchor app to Daily Thrones. If you're listening to the podcast form on Apple Podcasts, or Google Play, subscribe, rate and review, and spread the word. Daily Thrones here on Anchor.